Greetings and salutations, everybody across the quadrant. Welcome to the 60th episode of the Promenade Merchants podcast. We are an independent, totally independent Star Trek podcast. I'm David Majors. I'm one of the co-hosts, and I'm joined by the other co-host for the 60th time, Miss Heather Kirby. Heather, what's going on? The 60th time. Damn. As we get higher and higher, for some reason, that just makes me feel old. It shouldn't make me feel old, but it does. <laughs> but so tonight, like we always do about every five episodes, is that we get to invite someone to come along and talk some Star Trek with us. So Yay. I am... S- Super excited to welcome uh, Annika Dane. You may know her as Manic Pixie Dane on Twitter. She is the co-host of the Antimatter Pod, as well as various other podcast ventures, uh, cosplaying, um, all sorts of awesome stuff that I can't even remember at all because you're so busy and amazing. So welcome, Annika. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on. We've talked SVU before, and now we're going to talk about Star Trek, which is very near and dear to all of our hearts. So if you're new to the pod, thank you. Hi, welcome. I'm David. That's Heather. We talk about Star Trek here. And we do it in sort of a three-act format. We start with the old business, which includes everything from the cage up to, we'll say, the Kelvin movies-ish time frame. Then we talk about the new business, which is what's happening in Star Trek right now. So a little bit later, we're going to talk about wrapping up season three of Star Trek Lower Decks. And then we'll talk about Star Trek Prodigy as well. And then an upcoming business, the third act, is where we talk about what might be happening a little bit later on in the future with Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek Beyond, if you will. And by the way, since I'm here, some of you might know the pun is always intended. So let's jump into old business. The Borg made their return to Star Trek on the newest episode of Star Trek Prodigy. The ever menacing cybernetic collective of assimilating drones, queens, and cubes. And I just wanted to throw this one a bit around the horn. Annika, I'll let you go first. Uh, Some of your favorite or most memorable moments from the Borg. Oh, well, so my favorite moments are, at least in uh, old business, (laughs) are going to be from Voyager. And, you know... TNG is great and they introduced the Borg, but the Borg that I care about are the ones that are in Voyager and specifically Seven of Nine, who is my favorite character in all of Star Trek. And Dark Frontier, which is a fifth season episode. It's a two-parter, but it was actually presented as one long movie when it was first on. And... Basically, the Borg kidnaps Seven and Voyager has to go get her back. And the Queen brings Seven into her lair and is basically trying to get her back on board with the Borg. And she has a whole bunch of different lines uh, that I actually had recorded um, on my my laptop (laughs) way back when so that... 
you know, when I would turn it on or when I would turn on a certain uh, app, although who knows what they're called back then, it would speak to me in the Borg Queen's voice. (laughs) (laughs) And because that's the kind of nerd that I am. And so uh, there are two lines that uh, will always be very near and dear to my heart. The first is uh, very personal to me because it's, I remember Annika, does she remember us? Which obviously uses my name. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I feel very, uh, very connected to that. Uh, and then the, uh, she says, never forget who you are. And that was such a powerful concept to little me that I, like, I wanted to be a Borg. It seems like the, the, the Borg were super powerful, but I didn't want to be a bad Borg, like an evil Borg who was assimilating everybody. I wanted to be a 709 kind of Borg who seems like to be, you know, that she was a superhero and never forget who you are meant that I could be that too if I just believed in it enough. Okay. That is great. Um, Heather, I'll ask you, what were one of your more memorable moments for the Borg? Okay. So crazy story. And I can't remember if I've told this story on the podcast before, but the very first TNG episode I ever remember watching was Q Q who. So it was the introduction to the Borg. And that episode is absolutely terrifying. Um, it, it, it really makes the Borg seem like the, the true, it, it introduces them in a way that I, makes them seem really, really scary, which they are. Um, so I, 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 I love the idea of the Borg, but I also love that the Borg are meant to be scary. And I don't say that in a way as as like to because I love Seven of Nine too, but and 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 we're gonna dive into past the Kelvin verse here for a second and talk about Picard. I know we're in old business, but we gotta talk about Picard a little bit because we're talking about the Borg. I think. Oh, I I had a Picard one too. Yeah, <laughs> I did. So I, I I think Seven of Nine and Voyager uh, did help humanize the Borg but in a way that makes sense you know because it 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 made like Seven was the one who brought that human aspect to it that they are real individuals and real people and once they're separated from the collective they can they can return to some semblance of like being an individual again and and that's what one of the things I really love and appreciate about Seven is that her journey from going to from being this drone into being an individual person and 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 finding her herself in that. Um, now, when we look at the Borg in season two of Picard, what <laughs> the fuck? Seriously, <laughs> what the fuck? Because the Borg are meant to be villains. And, you know, Annie Wersch- 
Bershling does a wonderful job of being a villainous Borg queen. But the culmination of her and Agnes and then turning the Borg into something that's not quite villainous anymore and you know something where you know they can make a choice to do this and 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 i don't you know i i i i have questions as to you know what would really make you that lonely to want to choose a life like that i'm i don't know and i'm pretty good at being lonely you know i i'm just really confused so um, it, it felt like they were really forcibly trying to humanize the Borg when they have Seven there the entire time, and Seven is the human aspect of the Borg. You, you Can didn't I? need to... Yeah, go ahead. Interrupt me, please. No, I, I, I don't want to interrupt, but I want to answer your question. You said... Um, how can you be... How can anyone be so lonely that they'd rather be a Borg? Yeah. And... I, that is that when I say that I wanted to be a Borg, I did. Like yeah, I, I'm not yeah. just saying that I, um, like not metaphorically. <laughs> I, I had a true. I was so lonely, and I was so. You wanted a collective. Um, like m- mentally ill, I guess. <laughs> but no, 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 uh, no, I didn't mean it. Like well, no, I mean, I, I mean, I was depressed. That's the yeah. word I'm looking for. Yeah. I was so depressed that I wanted a collective. I, and I also wanted to give up. Like, I didn't want to take care of myself anymore. I wanted someone else to do it for me. Yeah. And, and so I think that you absolutely, if you are depressed and anxious or, or some other kind of struggle, um, a mentally or emotional struggle, that you're dealing with the Borg is super attractive. Like they give you a sense of belonging and they also take away all of the requirements of like making sure that you're doing your laundry and you're brushing your hair and you're making your bed and you're feeding your cats. Like you don't have to be responsible for your life anymore. And I think that um, when someone is in a deep depression, then that's that's what you want. It's, I didn't want to die, but I did want to not have to be in charge of myself anymore. There's a certain appeal, I think, to the idea of not having to be in control of every aspect of your life, every moment of the day. And I think that's part of the appeal of the Borg Collective is that you don't have to do that. You have countless others there to handle things for you. And you are you might lose something, your individuality, but you, to some, might gain something more. And that's the feeling of the Collective. And that's something that various Borg queens would allude to. However, uh, Annika, Heather, I'm a little surprised that neither one of you mentioned what I wanted to bring up from Voyager. Because I remember when it came to the Borg, they were these supervillains, these terrifying supervillains that shared this collective hive mind of just total assimilation of the entire universe 
But then Voyager introduced us to Unimatrix Zero. And it was this idea of Borg from within the collective rebelling against the collective. And it made me think of the idea of even if you are part of something as big as a hive mind collective, there's always going to be a little bit of need for individuality and a little bit of individual expression. And you're going to rebel against that almost intrinsically when you have as many lives as the Borg had. And I just remember seeing Unimatrix Zero and thinking that was one of the coolest concepts that Star Trek had brought about when it came to the Borg. Voyager did a lot with the Borg, and I think that Unimatrix Zero was one of the coolest, coolest things that they did. I legitimately don't remember Unimatrix Zero. <laughs> no? I'm sorry. I know that like Seven is running around in a pretty dress on like a jungle island. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, we can see where your mind was. But um I Yeah, so there yeah, it, uh... was, it was a great two-parter. It was a really good two-parter from season seven. It, it was uh yes, running around in a jungle, but they were looking to break free from the collective, rebel against the queen, and find their own sense of individuality. And inside of the Unimatrix, they all had their non-Borg physical forms. And it was really, really cool to see that inside of the collective consciousness of the Borg, there's like this pocket rebellion inside. And you get to see kind of like what happened on Prodigy in the most recent episode, that inside of the Bork Collective, there are little pieces and, and moments where the collective is speaking to each other. And it's it's a really fascinating thing to see how the Bork Collective works on the inside. And I thought Unimatrix Zero was really, really cool. Yeah, I I, I like unimatrix zero but that that's also because it kind of i i don't know it 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 reinforced my my view that you know the, these people who were forcibly because because i mean you look at the, the 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 borg and tng and and voyager and and they were for the they didn't have a choice like they gave them in Picard. They were they were forcibly assimilated, and so it it Unimatrix Zero gave them an opportunity to 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 show their individuality and their their personalities underneath that. So I I appreciate that. I I just I don't know. I I don't want to say a whole lot more. I I, I can't understand. Why? Well, there's also the Borg snake from Lower Decks. That was pretty cool too. Yeah, I, 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 I can all, I can understand why people would want that 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 sense of community and that sense of giving up. But it it it's all it's almost like you have to give up everything in order to get that, you know. And I don't understand the process why why someone would want to give up everything 
Um, I would answer that with the idea of you might be giving up everything, but you might be gaining something else to replace it. Yeah, my brain just doesn't work that way, and that's okay. And I I mean, I think by using the words depression and anxiety and uh, mental and emotional illness, I'm saying that it's not healthy (laughs) to to, uh, choose to be a Borg. I'm just saying I get why it happens. And also, I want to make it clear that I would never defend season two of Picard. (laughs) Because it's trash. Yeah. (laughs) Season season two of Picard was questionable. But season one of Picard, when Seven allows herself to be assimilated again in order to help Elnor and the good people on the Borg reclamation project. That was a very powerful moment. Oh, absolutely. And, and she was choosing to be Borg to lean into what she was and still is in some ways. Um, And she was able to leave, I think because she has gotten to that sort of healthy place where she can say, I can choose to be in the collective, but I can also choose not to be in the collective. Um, and I, I can sort of see it as sort of almost a, like I've used, um, I've used medication as a, or I've used the Borg as an um, analogy for medication in some of my writing. That okay. I sort of, you know, like you were, in order to get better, I, ha- I have to give in and, and take the meds um, and that that is giving up something um, and and losing something. Uh, but as as David pointed out, in order to get something in return, and that's stability and <laughs> emotional health, which are good things. Um, so. So I think that, you know, I would never put my viewpoints on anyone else. But for me, those ideas of the Borg and the collective and seven um, and assimilation and then getting out, you know, like when how she it's very, very powerful again for me (laughs) when she says Annika still has work to do. That's just such an incredible moment for me that like I have it on my phone (laughs) so that I can watch it when I need to feel better. And so, like, I just, um, I think that season one of Picard has some really great stuff with the Borg that uh, they sort of went off the rails in the the second season. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we all agree on that. I'm glad (laughs) we all agree on that. Let's jump into new business and, and let's talk a little bit. Let's wrap up season three of Star Trek Lower Decks. Heather, we haven't talked about the last couple of episodes of Lower Decks just yet. So let's talk a little bit about episode nine, Trusted Sources. Uh, Did we talk about this episode? I feel like we did or didn't. No. Well, uh, Trusted Sources was the episode I did with Infinite Diversity. So I talked about it at length there. But honestly, I think we could talk about nine and ten together because they are very much a two-part episode. They they go together. So, yeah. So, yeah, part one then. 
Uh, the journalist comes aboard the Cerritos to get the scoop on the Cerritos and Second Contact and the California class. And there's a giant misunderstanding, which leads to Ensign Mariner leaving the Cerritos and leaving Starfleet for a certain amount of time. Uh, meanwhile, later on, we've turned, we find that Admiral Buenamigo, uh, the Spanish word for a good friend, turns out to be a not-so-good friend with his own ideas of what he's going to do with the brand-new Texas class of starships. Uh, Admiral. Very bad He's very bad we, 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 we have a new bad Admiral. Uh, what did you think of these episodes? Um, oh, I really enjoyed these episodes. They, I was... I felt like the the wrap up of this season was made for me. It it took all of my criticisms of Mariner and and forced her to show me the reality. And so what what I've been saying from the beginning, I love Beckett Mariner is like an amazing character. I absolutely adore her, but I don't understand why she's in Starfleet because she seems to not you know she rebels against it in such a way that it's like you could just not be in starfleet you could that could <laughs> you could do that that's an option uh, and these episodes she you know she does leave starfleet and she in in the in the finale proves that she actually likes starfleet and she she does have a place there and I, it was just amazing to me. It was, it was just absolutely wonderful for her to get to that realization. It took three years, but you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm patient and I really liked the way that they did it. I, the first half of the um, finale was so serious and there were huge stakes. And then the wrap up was, it wasn't that it wasn't serious, but it was back to like lower decks tongue in cheekness. So I, I think it was very tightly done and and I appreciated it a lot. I appreciated that they managed to actually respect some of its own continuity because they brought something back from season two that I almost thought that they had forgotten. And that they brought in the finale, in the last bit of it, they brought Tillin to the Cerritos. And I loved that episode, uh, Wes Douche from season two. Uh, I really liked season two a lot. I'm going to say I ended up liking season three not quite as much as season two. But I'm glad they brought this back. And I think that these last two episodes, the animation was excellent. The action was really good. Um, Shame we ended up with another bad moral. I, I was hoping Buenamigo would be a good admiral because I'm pro good admiral. I want more good admirals. But uh, the the Texas class starships were cool until they weren't. I thought the the animation for the race for second contact was really well done. Just a lot of really good action in this episode. And there were a lot of things that came out of season two that I really, really liked. I liked Bold Boimler a lot. I liked that we got some more development for Rutherford and Tendi. We found out Tendi wants to be a captain someday, and now she's a science officer, which is really, really cool. 
And we actually found out that Mariner actually does like Starfleet and she's not just in it because it's something to do. (laughs) And she actually wants to be there, which was surprising to me. Like I kind of expected her to leave Starfleet and not come back until season four. But here we are. And I will say that season three for me was good, but it didn't have as many highs as season two. It did not have as many lows as season two, but it felt kind of kind of in between. Like maybe maybe not quite as enjoyable as season two for me, but I really still liked it a lot. Uh, Heather, uh, what did you think of season three overall? So, uh, first off, I, I, I love these last two episodes. I think the they really wrapped up the season really well. And there were a lot of things that happened throughout the season that I thought they were just going to kind of leave hanging until the next season or whatever. And they all came into play in, this, in these two episodes, which... Uh, made me really happy because <laughs> you know, I don't like leaving things. I don't, I don't like cliffhangers, you know, everything was wrapped up really well. Um, overall, I, and, and I, I'm not the biggest Lower Decks fan, but I, I really enjoyed season three. It's probably my favorite season so far of Lower Decks. Um, it started out a little slow for me, but the, the, the last half of the season uh, I thought was fantastic and I really enjoyed it. All right. So we're all high on season three and we're looking forward to season four. Let's talk a little bit about Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, Heather, I know you love Prodigy. <laughs> and now that we're back with Prodigy, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the first episode, Asylum, uh, episode 11. Uh, the crew of the USS Protostar finds a Federation comm station that is way, 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 way out in Federation space. And things go awry from there. Uh, Heather, what do you think of Asylum? So I, I'm glad that this first episode, after um, their mid-season break, immediately addressed what happened in that mid-season break so you didn't forget about it you know uh we're we're here they're trying to introduce themselves to starfleet and things go haywire and so by the end of the episode they discover um gwen is piecing together her memories and and they discover that it's because of something the diviner put on their ship to help destroy Starfleet from within. And so I, I, I'm glad they addressed it right off the bat in this episode. So we know that's what, that's what's happening. We know the stakes and it's, it's just a matter of what they're going to do about it from there. You know, Heather, for as much as you don't like cliffhangers, I don't like static moments and asylum is what made me brought up the question that i want to ask in upcoming business a little bit later because they got to this station they met with this lieutenant junior grade on the farthest outpost 
but it only lasted a few minutes and they didn't get a chance to open a channel or send out a hailing frequency. And then we see the proto star blow it up. So it ended up with, we got a hint at Dal's origin, his species, and we ended up with more questions than answers. And the episode felt like kind of a tease to me and it opened up more questions than answers. And it felt like we really didn't get anything out of it. And that's kind of how I felt. It just felt like we really didn't get a whole lot except for maybe a little bit about the weapon and a little bit about Gwen. And also I wrote this in my notes, Heather, I'm sorry. I really need Jenkin Pog to stop. I just need him to stop. <laughs> Insert Lucille Bluth gif here. Just every few seconds with a quip and a line. Just, I really needed him to stop. But Annika, he- how about you? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Well, I I mean, just to come back on you, you got to remember, like, this wasn't a season premiere. This wasn't a finale. It it is a mid-season thing. So when's the last time we saw Prodigy? Almost a full year from now? Uh, Like, like it's been at least 10 months since we've seen Prodigy. So it, it... this episode did have a feeling of just reminding you what was going on with this crew. And I, I, I think it's what it needed in that episode. Okay. 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 <laughs> Annika, what did you think of Asylum? And, and of course, how do you feel about Jankum Pog? <laughs> I mean, okay. Jankum Pog is the least interesting because they've spent the least amount of time with him and they've given us nothing to care about him. So poor Jenkin Pog. Uh, hopefully someday they will remember that he needs a, a real personality. I agree that, that his quips, quips are not a personality. So so we, we need more um, from that. And I understand how he can be grading. I, I think it's really funny that I don't, I don't know how you can enjoy television if you don't like things that are that are uh, uh, drawn out, <laughs> because that seems to be what that's how it works as a medium. So um, I'm not so used to discovery just being so yeah, serialized. Yeah, I think that that maybe the uh, come on, the, pick it up, let's go, let's go. I I, I this I love these children. All of them, um, especially Dahl, is is my precious. And just having him back and having new stories with him is just wonderful to me. I loved the hug between Dahl and Janeway. I can just live in that moment for, you know, a few months, just being happy <laughs> on that. Uh, so, so I I liked it. Um, I think that the second episode was much stronger, as, in terms of having plot and, and having things happen and having uh the the first episode is absolutely set up i agree with you that it's it's set up i think that that dude on the ship on the starbase is the worst and he should just be fired if he's still alive <laughs> because if he's still alive he, he completely failed in all of 
Starfleet's principles, <laughs> and these are children. Maybe that's why he's so far out. Maybe that's like, just where they put him. Yeah, I, but you know what? That's a that's a bad decisions. That's a Starfleet. That's a systemic problem with Starfleet. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get up on my soapbox again. Uh, so I I don't have much to say about the first episode, um, other than I love that hug. <laughs> and I'm interested to know uh, what Dahl is and where he came from. And I liked seeing uh, Admiral Janeway and the beginning of her journey. But definitely the, the second episode, a lot more happens. And there are a lot more uh, moments that are, that are worth talking about. Yeah. Annika, you just reminded me of something that I loved from this episode, too. It was, as much as you saying Dell and the hug with Janeway, when Rock Talk uh, said, I want to be a scientist! To me, that was just the, the sweetest thing in the world. Like, she's going to be a science officer, and that's awesome. Yes. Okay, episode 12, Let Sleeping Borg Lie. The crew watches a holodeck program of Gwyn and the Diviner's conversation regarding the weapon aboard the starship and its devastating purpose. And then suddenly they run into a Borg cube. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, they literally like almost ran right into the Borg <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh. There's a ship right in front of us. It's a cube. <laughs> but I love how hologram Janeway is immediately oh, like, like oh. run, run, run far away, oh. turn and run. <laughs> and all the kids are like, no, but what if all of our answers are in this cube? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Janeway's just like, no, no. Why don't you listen to me, damn it? Run away. What is wrong with you? Run away. They don't know. They have no experience. Yeah. Although they're from the Delta Quadrant, so I feel like they should, but you know, it's fine. I, I, I feel like someone had to have come across the Borg at some point in the Delta So because yeah, they're all from the Delta Quadrant, but okay. They were abducted as children episode, and placed on the, the slave planet, right. and that's why they so. never ran across the Borg. Yep. I loved this episode, guys. It, it had everything. It had suspense. It had high stakes. It had connecting more into the Trek universe mm -hmm. with the the ultimate supervillains, the Borg. Uh, I loved the animation in this episode. I thought they really did a great job with the Borg cube uh, and the whole living construct thing. There was some really, really great artwork in this episode, and it almost made up for Jank and Pog in this episode, too. <laughs> now, the biggest question I have about this episode, why is Janeway under doctor's orders to not drink coffee? Mm-hmm. That was my yeah, biggest Yeah, that was a question. And I was it know. the EMH? Which was doctor? EMH? <laughs> which, which doctor, yes. Because, you know, her, her Tellarite George doctor on that ship it, it might have been him he seems like an asshole he's a teller so. <laughs> absolutely yeah. the emh would never uh, yeah yeah are you sure oh he would try but she wouldn't listen to him 
Right, right. Like she, I think the EMH would definitely try to say, Admiral, we, we need you to cut down on the coffee just a little. And Admiral Janeway would have none of it. Mm-hmm. Same. So. But overall, I really liked both of these episodes and my feeling about Asylum, I accepted it after I saw Let Sleeping Borg Lie. It felt like we're going somewhere again to me. It felt like we're we're heading somewhere. We saw more with Admiral Janeway. We saw the Diviner. And it just felt like we're we're going somewhere. And that's kind of what I wanted to get to with upcoming business, ladies. And I'll I'll throw this one around the horn. Um, Heather, I'll ask you. We're 12 episodes into Star Trek Prodigy, and I'm getting a little itchy for some plot advancement. There's been some seeds planted here and there, and I know it's 20 episodes, and we're more than halfway there. We've got the Diviner under Starfleet custody. We find out the Diviner's from the future. The Protostar is a weapon with the living construct. And the crew of the Protostar just kind of seem to be going in one direction or the other. They're saving, they're they're trying to do good things in space, and then they're trying to find Starfleet. So I'm just, I want to ask you, Heather, where do you think, where do you think this is going to be heading soon? Well, here's the thing. I really don't know. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I have no idea where this show is heading. Um, I, I, I think the one thing I can safely guess about is that the protostar are going to cross paths with Admiral Janeway and her ship. However, I have no idea how this is going to go or what's going to happen because I think they're afraid because they know they have the weapon on their ship. They don't want to hurt anyone else in Starfleet. So they're afraid as to what's going to happen if and when they do come across uh, someone else from Starfleet. But at the same time, like, clearly that's what Admiral Janeway is out there for. She is out there to find the Protostar, and she is expecting to find Chakotay on the Protostar. By the way, where the hell is Chakotay? (laughs) What the heck happened to him? You know, uh, because clearly he is not on the Protostar unless he's in, like, some sort of other hidden chamber in, like, a self-sealed container, like... Uh, I, I can't think of the word right now like cryogenically frozen or something it, it, if he's not there then wh- where the hell is he what what exactly happened and you know I, I think there's a lot of stuff going on there which they have yet to even lay this the, the, the foundation for how they're going to explain it so I really think a lot of that is going to happen in the second half of season one, whether we're going to get any actual answers to any of that by the end of the season, I don't know. I mean, and and you got to remember, this is a kids show, so it's not going to all get wrapped up in a tiny little bow. I mean, we're we're doing they 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 do a really wonderful job of each episode has a specific lesson and things like that, which I I really enjoy. 
uh, even though it's a kid's show, I like learning things too. So, <laughs> um, but I, I very honestly, I don't know where they're going as a whole. And I can only speculate at this point. And the best thing I could speculate is that they are eventually going to run into Admiral Janeway. How that goes, I don't know, because I have no idea how her reaction is going to be finding out that Chakotay is not on that ship. And I feel like Am she's I- going to... I have a feeling she's going to react kind of badly towards that. So I don't know. I agree with you about Admiral Janeway, probably not reacting so favorably because I get the feeling that the Admiral Janeway that we know in prodigy isn't going to be the exact same character that we knew from star Trek Voyager. And that's okay. Characters grow, they develop and that's fine. And I'm, I'm interested in seeing where that goes. And you brought up the question, where's Chakotay? That's another thing where I'm feeling like maybe it's just me, but I'm kind of ready for Star Trek Prodigy to pick up the pace a little bit. Annika, um, what are you getting from Prodigy so far? It, are you asking some questions? Are you looking for a little more? So I care about character. Um, I, I don't plot is secondary to me. So I'm, I'm not having the same struggle of, I need to know what's going on. I need to know that I need to have answers. Um, I'm enjoying the, the spotlight on character growth for these kids. And so I mean, I have a, I, 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 as I was listening to the two of you, uh, you know, I was like, well, uh, the diviner has one prison planet. So of course he's going to have lots of prison planets, right? So Chakotay's on a prison planet somewhere. I would oh, assume, um, he could be, <laughs> he could be in a, like some sort of weird temporal prison planet, which I think would be cool and very Voyager like, um, so, I would go for that if I was in charge of Prodigy, which sadly I am not. <laughs> um, but I, but it's also I, this Chakotay is secondary to me because I'm interested in the kids and I'm interested in Admiral Janeway and I'm they're not going to kill off Chakotay, so so they'll they'll be reunited eventually. I'm fine. <laughs> they'll figure it out. Um, so I'm super interested in what they're doing with with Janeway being the antagonist. Yeah. Um that's we as the as the audience know that the diviner is tricking her and we know that the kids are not responsible for what the weapon does but Janeway doesn't. And so she's coming across and seeing all of this destruction. And, um, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to that eventual confrontation, but I do think that yes, people grow, but I still don't think that Janeway is going to have changed so much that she's going to be a Lieutenant JG might be dead guy. Who's going to go after these kids 
I think that she's more likely to adopt them into her family (laughs) as she did everyone that she met in Voyager. So you don't see Janeway becoming a bad moral. No, I don't see Janeway becoming a bad role. And I think that, you know, the kids don't even know who Chakotay is. They don't know that she's looking for him. They'll say, hey, you know, we stole this ship from the bad guy who put us in prison. <laughs> we were like the, the, the human trafficker. <laughs> we stole this ship from the human trafficker and we've discovered that it has a weapon. And so we've been trying to keep it away from Starfleet because we don't want to destroy Starfleet. I mean, I think that once they're the communication breakdown is done, you know, once they actually get to speak to each other, they'll realize that they're all on the same side and then they'll fight off the bad guys and save the universe. And it'll be great. Do you think we'll get to see the beginnings of that in season one or are we going to have to wait? Um, I, I would guess that there's, that we are going to definitely go, they're going to meet by the end of this season. Yes. All right. Okay. I, I, you you know, I, I would agree with that for the most part, but I think like until they get to the point where, you know, that they can meet and, and lay it out all on the table that she is going to come after them kind of hard. And so like, I I think for the, the, this second half of 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 season one, I I I think she, she she's definitely going to be the antagonist, but it, it it's going to be like kind of a game of cat and mouse, you know, where like once she does meet them, she's going to be the Janeway we all know and love and adopt them into her family, you know, but until that happens, she is going to be the antagonist. And so, so it's going to be an interesting back and forth. I agree. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm going to start calling her Bad Moral Janeway. If she <laughs> no! does become. No, don't yes. do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's no Bad Moral Janeway in this house. No, no. Mm-mm. That's all right. <laughs> no, no. I'm going to mute you if no. you try that. I, I will just start no. screaming over top of you every time you try to say that. <laughs> like, now what we're excited to for the podcast. Heather's just yelling at him. No. <laughs> now we're excited for season two. Oh my goodness. Now it's going to be fun. Uh, this has been a fun episode. It really, really has. Uh, Annika, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hey, please thank you for having me. Let, let everybody know what you're doing, where we can find you, and what you've got going on. All right. So, I, as you mentioned, I have a Star Trek podcast. It's called Antimatter Pods, and it can be found at antimatterpod.com and antimatterpod on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, we put the most effort into in- Instagram. So, that's what we're promoting. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and currently we are doing weekly, uh, recaps of Prodigy. So, uh, that's, that's where you can find me doing Star Trek. And then, um, I'm most places at Pixie Dane. 
on Twitter at Manic Pixie Dane. Who knows if Twitter will even exist by the time <laughs> we are running down. But yes, so I, I can be found online at all the places, uh, Pixie Dane or Manic Pixie Dane. Or you can find my website at manicpixiedust.com. That's a great web handle. That's really great. Thank you. That's a great web domain, Manic Pixie Dust. That's really good. Thanks again so much for joining us. Heather, what have you got going on? Tell everybody what you've got. Nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. I, but I, you I, should I, still follow her at NerdyGal33 on Twitter. I am a soulless monster who just works my ass off every day. And has nothing else going on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, follow me on Twitter. I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen if Twitter self combusts because I don't like Facebook and I don't really go anywhere else. So I'm going to go down with the ship. But follow <laughs> me on Twitter at NerdyGale33. Yes, yeah, same. Uh, I'm at called me DJM. Uh, I opened up a Tumblr account again for uh, for the first time in in centuries. I opened up a Tumblr account, oh, so see, I might I'm just. Not, I'm, I'm not doing Tumblr. I, I have a, a hatred against Tumblr. They were very mean to me I, at once in my life, and I refused to go back. So, and, and I don't even think you're wrong, really. I'm only just mostly going to be doing it for the sake of the podcast. But yeah. You can follow this podcast at Prom Trek Pod on Twitter and get it wherever you get your podcast of choosing. It's on Spotify. It's in Google Music. It's in Apple Podcasts. Get it wherever you get your podcast. Look for it by name, The Promenade Merchants. And follow us at Prom Trek Pod. And hey, if you want to write us an email, that'd be really cool. You can do that at Promenade Trek Pod at gmail.com write us an email we'll we'll read it here if if you want us to so yeah send us an email promenadetrekpod at gmail.com you notice no one has ever sent us an email because we've never read one on the show i'm just saying so if someone wants to be different send us an email (laughs) yeah by all means i'm I'm more than willing i promise i'll be nice i'll be on my best behavior no goofs if you send an email. No goofs, I promise. For Heather, for Annika, I'm David. Thank you all for listening to the Promenade Merchants podcast. Heather, thank you for doing this with me for 60 episodes. It is as fun as ever. I really appreciate you doing this. Congrats. I still feel old. 60 is really good. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel old, but okay. Well, we're I think we're I think we look great for 60. I think we look great. Until next time everybody, live long and kick ass. <laughs>